0: For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn to the letter of James, James chapter 3. That can be found on page 1,200. Continue our sermon series on the letter of James. Last week we heard a sermon on Chapter 2, verses 14 to the end of the chapter. Faith without works is dead. When I want to keep in mind that chapter 3 is not disconnected or disjointed from the rest of or the, uh, the previous chapters, but is connected. Let us now hear God's word, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast, And bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water, can a fig tree my brothers bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Thus far, the reading of God's word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. the tongue here refers, or is a metaphor. For our words, our speech. For the first time in his letter, James includes himself. In the previous chapters, he always used the second person plural, you all. But now, here in chapter 3, he includes himself and uses the first person plural, we. Including myself. Including myself. For we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people. James knows well the evil of the tongue or the evil that comes out of our mouths, our speech, our words. And James is not exempt on the careless, reckless, and hurtful use of our words. He says at verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole tongue. His whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Look at the ships, how they're moved by a small rudder. At the will of the pilots, The tongue is a small member. But it boasts great things. 1st James speaks of the tongue as one that boasts great things. Delivering a warning to teachers. Because the one who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Or as some translations say, greater condemnation. But greater strictness is a good translation here. Why? Because the teacher has a weighty responsibility to communicate the knowledge and truth of God and His Word. Has a weighty responsibility to teach, preach, disciple, counsel with the Word, with the knowledge of God, with the teaching of Christ crucified, risen, And he is ultimately accountable to God himself who is judge. And so take heed, teacher. James isn't discouraging those who are giving gifts by God to teach, to not teach. He's simply making that warning. Giving a warning. A sober and humble warning that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Because teachers must have the ability to dis- distinguish between good and evil, truth and falsehood, godly conduct from ungodly conduct, conduct oneself in a way that is consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why it follows chapter two, verses fourteen to twenty-six. Faith without works is dead. Well, let's—we need to see it in the teachers who are leading. Let's see your faith work, teachers. Teachers must conduct themselves in a way that is inconsistent with the gospel of Christ. Paul exhorts Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hair. On any given Sunday... I try to estimate how many words I speak on a Sunday. If I lead a morning and evening service, I think it's around 12,000 to maybe 16,000 words. I was thinking about that. This doesn't include counseling during the course of the week or other discipleship teaching opportunities during the course of the week. So I don't know, maybe 50,000 words or so. So you want to kind of get a glimpse into Pastor Rossi's heart a little bit? This text frightens me. It frightens me a bit. It is, in fact, one of my greatest worries in my ministry here, or anywhere. What comes out of this mouth because it has effect on the people whom I serve. I mean, think about it. Don't parents have an effect on children in the homes when they teach their children? When you lead and guide your children and the words you use to communicate to them, aren't you leading them in a certain direction? Greater knowledge demands greater responsibility to speak, speak and act according to the knowledge of God in Christ, in the gospel. And the words of a teacher greatly influence people, either negatively or positively. Their words either guide people in the direction that leads to life or death. Either life or death. I can give you so many references from the Psalms and Proverbs. Take out your concordance, or look at your concordance online, or on... Whatever book or online source you have and look at the tongue and what God has to say about the tongue in the Proverbs and Psalms and the rest of the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures. Proverbs 13 verse 14 says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. James as I have been saying throughout the course of this sermon series picks up on what Jesus teaches in the gospels picks up on what Jesus teaches from the beatitudes particularly what he te- what is taught and explained for us in Matthew's gospel teachers will be judged with greater strictness what does this mean well, it's interesting how commentators will remain silent on this one because it is it is challenging what James refers to but we have to remember that this is wisdom literature J- Jesus similarly talks about this in the beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 verse 19 I want to turn your attention there Matthew chapter 5 I'll begin at verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Additionally, in Matthew chapter 12, every word that is spoken, every careless word that is spoken, every man will give an account. Are we to say then that we are judged by our works, by our words? Well, as the gospel teaches in the New Testament, we are justified by grace through faith not by works of the law. We are justified by grace through faith. Saved? Yes. Judged and rewarded according to one's works? Yes. Teacher will be judged with greater strictness in the last day. Saved? Yes. But will be held accountable for their words. That is, those teachers who remain faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, who show forth by their fruit that indeed they are good trees, that they have true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they show forth by their words and works. See, James knows the weakness of the flesh. He says at verse 2, For we all stumble, that is, we all fall into sin in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble or fall into sin, in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. The person who doesn't stumble or fall into sin, in what he says, is that perfect man, a complete man. This man has the discipline to control the tongue, which enables him to charter the course of his life that leads to life. But what does James say? He says, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. And he acknowledges himself that the tongue is a small member. It boasts of great things. Our words boast of great things. And he compares the tongue to a small bit in the horse's mouth and a small rudder that turns a large ship in a violent storm in any direction at the will of the pilot. Why does he use these two examples to teach us that something so small can turn turn about something so large and boast great things? The tongue has the power to, to turn the course of one's life to tear down and not build up to destroy and not encourage and equip Paul exhorts fathers fathers don't provoke your children with your words do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged the tongue has the power to boast great things to turn about a whole congregation into a way that is false, in a way that leads to death. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You know, I th- I think sometimes living in America, you know, we cherish the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. I think we need to be careful as Christians. I think we need to be careful as Christians. We don't have the freedom to use our speech in a way that is contrary to what God requires of us. Even the freedom of speech has limits when it's understood in the right context. But our words boast of great things. Boast of great things. Secondly, the tongue causes great destruction. Verse 5, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. He compares the tongue to a forest fire started by a small fire. Our tongue sets on fire the entire course of life. An entire congregation can be set on fire. The individual can be set on fire. The people around the person can be set on fire. In his great book, a wonderful book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, Pastor, Pastor Kent Hughes calls this spiritual arson or verbal cyanide. There are many examples that can be used of forest fires out west that are started by a small spark. And then you hear about these forest fires that Go on for weeks. I remember when I was working for my father-in-law a number of years ago, when I was driving a roll-off dumpster truck, and I was in far west side or east side of Hammond, Indiana, getting gas, and I look out out to the west, and I see a huge thing of smoke, just like a fire was, was going on there, and there was a big billow of smoke there. And I didn't think anything out of it, so I got back in my truck and I started heading back to the transfer station in Harvey, Indiana, or Harvey, Illinois. Get off on Halstead Avenue, off of 294 there. I'm heading north towards Harvey. And I'm like, wow, this smokestack is getting bigger. Like it looks like it's kind of near to the transfer station. So I'm driving, I get to the transfer station, and sure enough, it's at the transfer station. It was seen from a good distance and it was started by the heat of the day, the sun, and a combust- combustible substance within the garbage pile. And the combination of three created a little spark and next thing you know you had this huge fire that I saw about 20 miles or so out. That's how, that's how James describes our words. The potential of the tongue to cause great destruction. And these forest fires that we create with our tongues, our, our words, stain, they spiritually defile or pollute the whole body. And could be there, he could either be referring to an entire congregation here or one's course of life. It can easily be said of both. Remember what true religion is, James says, is this, to keep oneself unstained from the world. But the tongue stains the whole body because it's set on fire by hell. The source is the devil and his minions. It comes from the pit of hell. Look with me at verses 13 to 18 of chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James makes this distinction. This forest fire that pollutes the whole body comes from the pit of hell. It is unspiritual, demonic. In marriages, in churches, in the workplace, in the school environment, in your relationships, Communication with our words or lack thereof greatly affects our lives and causes great destruction. And James goes on to say that it not only boasts great things, it not only causes great destruction, but no man can tame this small member of the body. No one can tame the tongue, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, Can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Mankind has been given the responsibility to to have dominion over all creation, all the creatures. Genesis 1 and Psalm 8. Animals and sea creatures can be subdued, controlled, restrained by human beings. Look at a zoo. You go to a zoo, children, you see animals that are restrained, controlled, in a controlled environment. The tongue, however, is uncontrollable because it is a restless or unstable. He uses that word unstable again, the one that he used earlier in chapter 1. In chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, for that person must not suppose, the person who, who does not ask for wisdom and faith, that person... Must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. Uncontrolled in all his ways. Well, the tongue is the same. It is restless. It is unstable and unstable, evil, full of deadly poison. In other words, it kills. It kills. They're taking notes. Psalm 15, Psalm 52, Psalm 55, Psalm 140 demonstrates not only how it causes great destruction, but also how it is uncontrollable. Lastly, the un- an untamed tongue reveals the heart of man. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. We are double-tongued that blesses and praises God in worship or when we're with God's, God's people. But when we're out or engaging people outside of a church context, what are we doing with our words James shows how evil the tongue really is and how it really shows forth our hearts. You see, words communicate our thoughts. They, they don't originate in our tongue, it's a metaphor. They originate in our hearts, our minds. So when we say, I didn't mean to say that, well, did we? Did we? It came from somewhere. What are we really, really revealing about ourselves when we engage in sins of the tongue? Our words truly reflect what's in our hearts, as Jesus says, Luke in, at Luke chapter 16, or chapter six. "The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart." for out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks it comes from the heart it comes from the heart the power of our words is a heart issue and we need to we need God to perform that heart surgery and teach us to control our words not just words spoken but words written Not just words spoken, but those words that are put down on pen and paper, those words that are communicated via text, those words that are communicated via Snapchat or Twitter or the like or Facebook. Let us remember, Christian, what James says earlier, that God has brought us forth by the word of truth to walk in truth. You have been brought forth by the word of truth. And James teaches us how to walk as a Christian. To live in God's kingdom in this world. In wisdom. In the wisdom of his word. In the wisdom of truth. And I have at the bottom of your notes there. Very important sentence. A controlled tongue. Reveals a heart. A controlled tongue reveals a heart that has been transformed and is being transformed by the grace of God. That is a controlled tongue, reveals the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, putting to death evil speech that causes divisions and great harm to our neighbors and to ourselves, and even blaspheming God's name in doing so. So, though no man can tame the tongue, who can tame the tongue? The Holy Spirit of the living God tames the tongue. God tames the tongue. Turn your notes over. Couple points of application. We need to be praying. We need to be praying about the way we use our words because God, by His grace, He forgives and has mercy upon His people in Christ. The sin of our words is not the unforgivable sin. God pardons us, renews us, restores us, has mercy upon us. But we, do we need to repent? Do we need to confess sins of gossip, sins of slander, sins of criticism, sins of humiliation, sins of flattery? The sin of gossip. Gossip is talking behind a person's back what you would never say to their face. It's unverified, speculative, and private information directed to a person or persons other than the person in question. I'm not quite sure if I used this illustration before. It's a pretty familiar one. But a young man felt guilty for the sin of gossip and he went to his parish priest and went to the confessional and told the priest his sin of gossip. And the, and the priest told him that your sin is forgiven. And the man, before he was going to leave, was stopped by the priest. And he says, not so fast. I want you to go home and go to the top of your apartment building and take a pillow and a knife with you. And I want you to take that knife and slit the pillow and empty the pillow of its feathers. And so the guy, the young man, went home, did that, went back to the the priest and said, well, I did what you said. He's like, well, what did you see? What happened? He said, I saw feathers. I saw feathers everywhere. They went all over the place. And the priest said, okay, I want you to go back and I want you to collect every feather and put it back into the pillowcase. So well, that's impossible. I can't do that. He said, that exactly. That's gossip. That's gossip. I think it's a pretty vivid illustration of how serious gossip is. Slander. Lord, remove from my tongue slander. This is to injure someone's good name by unjustly accusing him of something of something or or some act, publicly, dragging a person's character and name through the mud. And there's a vindictive behavior behind it. There's a self-glorying about it. To make oneself look better than the other, I'm going to drag that person through the mud. Lord, remove from my tongue gossip. Remove from my tongue slander. Remove from my tongue criticism. And this isn't constructive criticism or helpful critique. Criticism finds faults in people because there's jealousy or envy in the heart of the one who criticizes. They're not looking out for the well being of the other person that they're criticizing, they want to denigrate and demean the other person. Someone told one of the Wesley brothers. Mr. Wesley, my talent is to speak my mind. And she went on to critique him, criticize him. And Wesley replied, Well, ma'am, that's one talent God wouldn't care a bit if you buried. Humiliation. Lord, remove from my tongue humiliation, the sin of humiliation, or to diminish someone by speaking down to the person or make the person feel dumb or stupid, especially publicly. If you're with a group of people, you call somebody out and you want to make that first person feel dumb in front of other people, you make comments that are inappropriate, that demean the person, humiliating the person. Husbands, how do you talk? To your wife, your wives. Wives, how do you talk to your husbands? Husbands, how do you talk about your wives publicly? Wives, how do you talk about your husbands publicly? Lord, remove from my tongue the sin of humiliation. Remove from my tongue the sin of flattery using complimentary words under false pretenses in order to gain something from the other person. Listen to what Psalm 55 says. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. There's an Oriental saying that goes something like this Behind a smile hides a knife. Or hide a dagger behind a smile. Kind of like this when you're talking to somebody and you're, <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> you're doomed. Yeah, you think we're on good terms, but I'm going to get you. Smooth as butter but war is in his heart. These are all manifestations or forms of deceit and lies. Do you need to confess the sin of gossip, the sin of criticism, humiliation, flattery? God, by His grace, forgives these sins. He forgives the sins of the tongue and has mercy upon His people. Believe God's promise of forgiveness. Receive His forgiveness in Christ. And pray. Pray that you will reach out to the Lord. Seek His face for mercy and help. And that He indeed will conform you to the image of Christ. That He would remove from our tongues. By working in our hearts. Where it comes from. Work on our hearts. First. First remove the evil from our hearts to pursue righteousness and holiness and godliness, not looking to our own strength, but to his strength, his power, his might, his spirit, because his spirit tames the tongue. If we're looking to ourselves and our own strength to tame this evil small member of the body or to find change in our hearts, We're going to get nowhere. Look to God. Look to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to do that heart change, that heart surgery, to put to death these particular sins. And when we fall into these sins, we confess our sins knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we also seek To reach out to those whom we offended. In love for our neighbor, we reach out to those whom we offended. And ask for their forgiveness. James is teaching us the power of our words. And he's very vivid in his description of our words How are you using your words? How am I using my words? Let us seek God's help and grace to use our words to the building up of one another in the most holy faith. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you, oh Lord, that you are the righteous one. You, O Lord, are perfect in all your ways. Your word is truth. Your word gives life. Your spirit brings about consecration and conviction into our hearts. And we pray, O Lord, that you would forgive us and have mercy upon us as we look to Jesus, the one who paid it all, he paid for the sin of gossip, for the sin of criticism, for the sin of flattery, for the sin of humiliation, and for the sin of slander, and for many other sins of the tongue. And we look to Jesus humbly. We look to you, O oh God, for that forgiveness and mercy. And we look to you, O oh Lord, for your strength and your help to walk in Christ, to put to death the deeds of the tongue, the evil deeds of the tongue, and to put on Christ. Oh God, help us, we pray. In Jesus'